Hello, everyone, and happy Monday. We're coming to you live here on LinkedIn and inside her sweet spot. Usually here on Tuesdays, but we have a special guest here today on this Monday live edition of the Her Vice Salon Talk. I'm so excited to bring to the stage Miss Randy Bynum. How are you, the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of the Girl Scouts of Nassau County, a third generation Girl Scout? Randy brings decades of experience enhancing the efforts of nonprofit organizations. Early in her career, Randy was a director of program and adult development at the Girl Scouts of Nassau County. Prior to that, she was in the publishing director of family and community engagement at Scholastic Inc. She's responsible. She was responsible for the development of all resources that support engagement for schools and community organizations and that ensure student achievements. Before that, she was the senior director outreach and partnership at Sesame Works. So listen, you guys know today's topic is all about how do we raise the next generation of leaders. And Randy, I couldn't think of a more better person to bring on the show today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. It's such my pleasure. I, let, let's let's just let everybody know who's watching. If you're watching live on LinkedIn, if you're watching live on YouTube, inside her sweet spot, just let us know in the chat. And if you have any questions, please feel free to start um, asking questions. So just full transparency to everyone, you and I have sat on a couple of young girl panel discussions yes, right? yes. talking about how this exact we, thing, yeah. right? This exact thing for a couple of years now. And the last time we saw each other was literally a week before lockdown. Like yes, it was. <laughs> March 2020. <laughs> In today's time, they would call that a super spreader event. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting pretty close together and had a group of young scholars, as I love to call them. Um, you know, engaging with them in conversation and really talking about how we 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 work hard to advance young women in leadership and you know education and leadership. So I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. You know, I talked a little bit about your background. You truly have that rich background, so deeply rooted in working with the youth that I think that is so amazing. And it's rare, right, that you find someone who has worked in this capacity pretty much your whole career, right? Okay. Can you yes. can you share more about your early beginnings and what opened the doors for you early on or, or when did you decide this career path working with youth? That's a great question. I have a fabulous journey, um, not always you know, perfect, uh, but I think that's what makes it great. Um, I think um, I was always a helper, so I can, you know, trace all the way back to elementary school, high school, college, uh, being out there helping other people, trying to make the community stronger and better. 
I went to social work school um, for grad school almost 30 years ago, which seems impossible that it could be that long ago. Because we, we both look 30, <laughs> if not 25, I know. <laughs> almost 30 years ago, I got my MSW, and I started my career really working with young people in crisis. So I worked with foster care youth, I worked with runaway and homeless youth, um, youth in with HIV and AIDS, and then I um, worked with uh, women in domestic violence. And so that crisis work takes a toll, um, but it also just didn't, to me, feel like I was making a deep enough impact and a broad enough impact. And so almost um, actually immediately after uh, working in domestic violence at the Nassau County District Attorney's Office, I came to Girl Scouts. And I thought, you know, I grew up as a Girl Scout, my mom was a Girl Scout, my grandmother was a Girl Scout, and I felt like this is an organization that has a, a wide reach, a deep history and legacy. And um, this is a space where I'm able, I'll be able to make some, some strong impact. Um, I didn't stay at Girl Scouts throughout my whole journey, but it did help um, set the foundation for me. Um, at one point I thought I wanted to go to law school, but I found that I was really good at this kind of preventative uh, work around content development and community connections. And, and that's really where my love is and my whole career um, is uh, centered around that. I love that that um, story and, and not too many people understand their how to explore their career. And that's mm -hmm. why the work that you do and I do as well, working with the, with the youth to teach them this practice and they wait longer in life, right? Mm -hmm. They wait, you know, I started my business, although I've been side hustling forever, I really <laughs> got into it in my early forties. Mm -hmm. So it, it's great that you were able to navigate those um, ideas and really propel your, your, your journey a lot sooner rather than later, right? When did you actually realize you can use your passion? Because you, you talked about having different roles at some point, your passion working with youth to actually make it an executive level journey, right? I think so many people that have that heart-centered work, they, they all, they don't, see themselves in upper management. They, mm -hmm. they kind of tend to stay in the middle career level. When did you realize you can still have an impact and have an even greater impact at the executive level? Um, if I could be honest, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, I, I love being hands-on um, and I had been rejected a lot for leadership roles. Um, mm. I felt like I was qualified in many different positions to get to that next level. And because I think I was so good on the, in the hands-on part that I kept saying, I kept hearing like a little bit longer, you can do this, you're not ready, you're not ready. Um, and so for this job, it was actually a friend and colleague that saw the connection for me before I did um, and just saw what this position could do. Um, and I, I was I was resistant to it at first. And then once I began the process, which was very long and arduous, I, I began to fall in, fall in love with the possibilities of leading this Girl Scout Council, Girl Scouts of Nassau County. We serve 15% of the girls here in Nassau County. And I just, the more I started to kind of marinate in that idea and, and what that could do, um, and then the more they saw that I could be the leader that I, I kind of always knew I could be, I was able to kind of bring all my skills together now. Um, I still try to stay connected. I still try to be hands-on. 
I, um, I know how important representation is. So I like to make sure I show my face as much as possible to make sure that young girls do see the possibility of this and of, of me. Um, and then um, my passion is really evident in, in all the work that, that I do. And then especially during COVID, I think my, my commitment um, to this work has been even, even more evident. This last year has, is, has been probably the hardest work year of my life and I'm sure of, of many other people. I'm sure, mm -hmm. pivoting, reconnecting, helping the young women probably yep. with all of the mental strain oh my gosh. of the past yeah. year and the parents. Yes. Um, I mean, this so is trauma. We're, we're full trauma this full past trauma. year. But what I love about what you just said, Randy, is what so many Black women are experiencing, mm -hmm. have experienced throughout their career where they were told they were not good enough. If you mm -hmm. haven't seen my TEDx talk <laughs> about you know, what it takes for women of color to get to the C-suite, you should watch it. It really talks about all the barriers, the programming that we were done. So when it came to that point, you, I love that you were transparent about it. You didn't see yourself. And that you led me right to my next question, <laughs> which is, did you have a mentor or a sponsor that helped you break the barrier? And you mentioned someone that really saw the gift you had, right, for leadership. And, and can you talk more about what it took for you to lean into that sponsor because you didn't mention you were resistant and mm -hmm. what people should do when they have someone who says you are qualified finally mm -hmm. you are qualified and resist that feeling and fear that's a that's a great question and i i wish that i had more um women opening doors for me and, and leading the way. I, I have come to depend on peers. Yeah. Um, and and the, 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 my colleague that, that pushed me into this job is a peer. Um, and so I, I didn't really have a lot, of, a lot of role models or mentors or sponsors on my journey. Um, and and I, I was looking for that a lot. And I, I kept trying to find someone to kind of um, vouch for me, to stand up for me, to open the door for me, to give me a seat. And that didn't happen as much as I, I wanted it to do, wanted it to. Um, and because of that, I really, really try hard to have a large network of former staff, interns, young professionals who I connect with, who I open doors for, who I support, who have become friends and peers. I, I, I want to say that over 95% of anyone that's ever worked for me is still connected to me in, in some way, especially um, young women of color. And I, I just follow their careers and and I try to be that, fill that role that I, I really feel that I didn't have for myself. Um, and then just really depending on peers, it's, it's my peers that, um, that kind of I continue to connect with and make sure that I'm making all the right moves. Yeah, that's so important to have that representation. Mm -hmm. And to, to pass it along as you, you know, they say, don't forget where you came from. And that, you know, I can see obviously in your career choice, that is not something you live by. We have a couple of folks on LinkedIn that said, hello, Matt and Anita. Hi, how are you? Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions for Randy, please let me know. Um, so, you know, you have been to many levels, you've, you've battled what I'm going to say, imposter syndrome and all mm -hmm. those things that most black women 
and mm-hmm. women in leadership in general have faced. Can you share like your biggest career lesson that you've learned up up until now and even maybe what you discovered about the lessons you thought you knew during the pandemic, right? Because the pandemic made people go, oh, I thought I was great, but now I need to be better. <laughs> <laughs> pivoting and, and really just go, leaning into a new market with the digital right. age, right? So what is your biggest career lesson you've learned? I think um, something that I try to stick with and, and kind of live by daily is that every relationship matters, right? Mm-hmm. My network is everything to me. Um, just making sure you're constantly nurturing it, um, making connections even when it doesn't benefit me. Um, because I think that the, all the opportunities that I've had in my career come from that network, right? That, that I've been, you know, my reputation, my work product, my, um, sometimes my kindness even is what gets me on the list for other opportunities, for events, for um, even people just reaching out to say, do you know someone who can do this? Or do you know someone who can do that? And so I find that the networking is really important. And then through COVID, it was um, really a more kind of explicit kind of um, task, right? So how do you stay connected with people during a pandemic. And so whether that was writing personal notes or, you know, I try to keep up on my LinkedIn at least once a week or jumping on Zoom um, networking and happy hours, but just making sort of checking in on people because there have been opportunities where people have reached out to me and say, do you know someone or are you interested? And I think that um, that's something that has really done well by me. Yeah, that, that that's what I call the four ships relationships, friendships, partnerships, yep. and sponsorship. Yes. And we could add in the fifth one, mentorship, the, yes. the ships the ships that pass you by that mm-hmm. uh, uh, Black women, young girls need mm-hmm. most in their life. And I know you're out there, you're teaching them the importance of these ships and building strong networks. So mm-hmm. thank Just you. Just modeling this. I mean, even this whole conversation, is, it's modeling that that kind of those, that network, those relationships. And, and um, I think that's important to do. Absolutely. So what does it mean then to lead the next generation of leaders? What would you tell mm-hmm. someone else, another executive mm-hmm. that they should be doing to make it happen, to ensure that they're really helping, particularly young women of color? So first of all, what a huge responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's something that that I really that I really take take seriously. I try to use my powers for good. Um, I try to I make. I can imagine them. you're you're like in like you said your peers. You're you're in peer groups, um, right. C-suite executives. Mm-hmm. What are those conversations like? What what are you saying to them, especially when you hear and you can see someone in that peer group that doesn't lean into that mm-hmm. type of work? Um, I do a couple of things. So I've done, you know, I, one, first of all, I think just being there is, is really important. Um, I think it's really important to listen. Um, I think we do our best work in Girl Scouts. I always say when we listen to what the girls want, because what they want and need is ever changing. Um, when I'm engaging with young professionals in a, in a professional setting, I try to model as much as possible um, behaviors and interactions that, that I think have worked well for me. And sometimes I'm, I'm just really explicit, like, hey, you know what? I'm, I, sometimes those networking events are tough on me too, but here's my tips on how I get through the room and make sure, you know, here's 
how I'm very competitive. So here's how I challenge myself to to engage. I want to get three business cards. I want to have four conversations, you know, and set it up in your head. And right. so just having those conversations. And then the other thing that I think is really important that I do, and it's really interesting because I'm in a a different space than I've ever been before as a CEO, right? Um, and so when I see other women, especially women of color at the table, experiencing things that I've experienced myself, I try to, to take them aside and, and say, I saw what happened. So I saw you withdraw from the conversation or I saw mm -hmm. someone interrupt you and you didn't know how to respond or I saw your idea didn't get heard. Here's some tips and just make sure because I want my workspace to be a safe space for all, all my staff, but mm -hmm. I, I, I pay close attention to some of the experiences that I've had myself, and I want to make sure that I'm giving um, my staff the tips and tools, um, especially my young women of color, um, on how to get through and how to get over um, some of the obstacles that I face myself. I've been in all those in those seats, right. and um, I know that that's it's a, it's a, it's tough. It's it's not easy. <laughs> it's one of the new buzzword is like emotional intelligence right yeah. well, everyone's talking about we've got to get leaders to have more emotional intelligence and you just aren't so natural at that right? I, I think i think that the you know the pandemic experience as a leader was horrible but the thing that worked to to my benefit is is my sense of compassion and leadership um and and just truly truly caring about people and so they, it took away a lot of the other metrics that we typically are measuring on a daily basis and i was allowed to put um compassion first mm -hmm. um to make sure that people felt safe and comfortable and and were healthy and, and engaged um and and that really worked to my strength and, and and was allowed me to be a social worker again for for a minute um and so it, i think compassionate leadership really really um responded well anyone that's a compassionate leader in, in the pandemic so you just said that that type of work as an executive, it allows you to go back in time to something <laughs> else and allows you to kind a of whole break skill set. whole stuff, right? That's a whole nother skill set being a social worker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, inside her sweet spot, our members are working women that have small businesses on the side and or passion projects that they like to openly work on, mm -hmm. right? When did, so one thing I forgot to mention earlier on is that you are an author. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Because, you know, Her Sweet Spot is about bringing the whole mm -hmm. self. And when I find an executive C-suite person that allows herself to also fulfill all the areas, I'm so impressed. And I love that um, about any person that's in a leadership role, but still kind of... Um, play both sides, right? Right, yeah. So let's talk about that journey to becoming an author. Can you share a little bit more about your book, I Sometimes I Feel Ugly and Other Truths About Growing Up? Um, and you also have a workbook. Right, so that, that book is, um, my, that's about 15 years now. Um, yeah. It was, it wow. was uh, the True You Project. It was in connection with uh, the Dove Self-Esteem Fund. 
Um, it was an extension of some work that I had done with uh, Girl Scouts of the USA. Uh, it was an amazing project that really centered around girls and self-esteem and their relationships with their mothers. Um, and it, it really, it probably is equally relevant as then, uh, you know, today as it was, as it was then. Yeah. I um, would never know because of that. I didn't even look back <laughs> to see that it was so long ago because yeah. that's something that you guys mm -hmm. need to republish or I'm sure it's still yeah. being sold now. Yeah. So it was, a, it was actually a free, a free book that, that Dove sponsored. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it actually had been translated um globally which is which is really lovely i don't even know where it is right now but i do know that it gave me um the opportunity to kind of tap into something at a different level that i that i really love uh doing and so since then um talk about you know a side hustle or small passion project is that i just love writing i just enjoy writing and and uh, has spent a lot of my the last 15 years after that project writing a lot of early childhood stuff a lot of um things from anything from financial literacy to trauma to divorce and incarceration. I mean, I've just written the gamut of uh, topics that really um, are all around the betterment of children and the betterment of, of communities, right? So if it hasn't anything to do with literally kind of ironically making the world a better place, yeah. I, have, I have written it and um, I don't get to do that as much as I, I'd like to anymore. But, um, and my, my content team will tell you that I do kind of, uh, dabble in their spaces a little bit when I want to, a little do, fine editing, do, do some of their work. And I'm like, I got an idea. And so, uh, they, they, they love that and they don't, but it, I just, it's just something that I, I truly, um, enjoy and, and this job, um, this is, I think year four of, of this job. And so there hasn't been a lot of time to do some of the things on the side that I enjoy doing, but believe me it's always i have notes everywhere of yeah. things that i'm starting to write or about to write or want to write and people i want to write with and so that that will always be part of who i am and and uh maybe there's another book somewhere in there oh we can't wait i can't wait for you to have <laughs> you know i'll be here first one to buy you know my son and i authored and self-published a book this year called um just as i am kindness where Joshua talks about the many ways he shows kindness. And that was my first children's book. And it was such a pleasure to do that project. So I can imagine oh, all the I have work so that many, you're doing. So you're many so, ideas. <laughs> you're so consistent with your entire career, even going back the 30 years that you mentioned at the beginning. I'm so mm -hmm. uh, thankful for you to take this time to talk to us. And and you just mentioned something. So what, what that you don't have time to do much, but what do you do to really unwind and how do you spend your downtime? We want to know that people at your level are still going to the beach or whatever it is you do. What do you do in your downtime? I have not been to the beach yet this year, but I, it is on on my agenda. Um you know what? I, I, I enjoy, truly enjoy reading. So if you come in my home, there, there are just hundreds upon hundreds of books everywhere. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Um, and so, you know, uh, my downtime, I, I love a good hot cup of tea and a, and a great book. Um, I, I'm trying to, you know, schedule more reading time and, um, because I just, it's a great escape. It's a great way to keep, it keeps a writer's, uh, skills in tune is, is how it usually happens through reading. Mm -hmm. And then um, through COVID, I started baking. 
Uh, I picked up baking <laughs> like my life depended on it. Uh, <laughs> I was baking every weekend, sometimes twice a week. I love the um, the science of baking and the art of baking. Like the, yeah. those two things combined together really just speak to me. And so I'm, I'm a pretty good baker, uh, like my grandmother and my mother. And so I, I baked my way through the pandemic. Um, I'm gonna find you in the in the New York streets. I need a cookie <laughs> or something. I actually think I should write. Uh, my hope is to write about the baking experience through the pandemic. Um, and I, I shared with someone I can share with you that during the pandemic, the baking to me felt like I was in some kind of survivor game, yeah. um, and I was being judged on how good things came out. And so yeah. I, it was just a way, of, kind of a mind game of how to how to survive. Um, and it was a great separation from, from work. Um, it made people happy. I, I shared a lot of my baked goods. Um, and so I, I hope to write about that. That probably is the next thing I'll write about is, is that experience through the pandemic. That's so awesome. So going into survivor mode, using baking, mm -hmm. but can you tell me and share with everyone what quote or affirmation mm -hmm. phrase do you use to stay motivated? Because as a hardworking executive, feeling like you probably have the weight of the next generation on your shoulders with you. Like, how do you stay motivated? Because we're always looking for a way to stay motivated. So I have a lot of things around me that keep me um, grounded and keep me um, motivated. But the the two, my two favorite ones this week, at least, well, the three favorite ones are um, joy is an act of resistance, right? And so just remembering to that joy has value and and how important it is to our lives and um and sometimes i forget about it <laughs> and so i have that reminding me the other one is uh no grit no pearl um yeah. the idea that uh you have to work hard to to get to the pearl right um and so and so sometimes when work is work and so you need to, to to grind to get there. The grit is really important. And so that's a reminder. And then my favorite one is um, every little thing is going to be all right. And so uh, just I look at that every day when I sit here to just keep me going and know that, you know, you try your best and everything's going to be all right. How could you, How could not, you not want to book a book vacation? A vacation? <laughs> yes, that's my, that, a little bit of my Jamaican coming out is that, you know, I got to look, I got to have my ode to Bar Marley there. But um, I, I do, I do, uh, I do look at that as right. I'm looking at it right now. And so it, it's an important part of, um, you know, you forget that. And, and I think that, um, you know, you question, I've learned over the last year that, that I have the skills and talents um, and grit to get, get this organization through anything um, and to help our girls become the next generation of leaders that they need to be. Um, and, and the girls have shown me that they, um, they're not playing around. Like they're making a, they're making a difference in the community, yeah, yeah. like nobody's business. And they, they the pandemic didn't stop them. Yeah, they yeah. see issues, they tackle them. Um, they take on challenges, they, they, they overcome obstacles. And, and I'm excited because that means that, you know, 20 years from now, you know, we'll be in a good place because these young women will be, will be there um, leading the way. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So Anita says she would love to see a book uh, is baking. Or maybe <laughs> a book on baking. She would love to see that. Yes, and I, 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 I think that might be just my baking experience. Uh, the whole thing of, 
of the the whole journey of baking I was just really interesting and it was it's very therapeutic for me um, mm -hmm. so I think I should share that one <laughs> thank you so much for being my guest, opening up, being so transparent and really sharing what so many women are dealing with today. You know, the pandemic was hardest, hardest on women of color, um, especially women in leadership roles, because we were dealing with so many things. And having you today talk to us has been really enlightening and refreshing. So thank you so much for that. Before I let you leave, what advice would you give to someone watching that's afraid or holding off on pursuing their passions? And Ooh. what skills do they need to do it both, both fearlessly? That's a great question. So, well, I'm gonna go back to networking. Like networking is everything. Maintaining your network, don't burn those bridges, stay connected. Um, I would say ask a lot of questions, um, you know, find, find people to ask questions to get yourself into some conversations and ask questions, uh, volunteer. I think volunteering is a great way to kind of try out some things and see if you're interested. I, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and I learned very quickly that I did not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I only learned that by being in the space with, with, with other, with attorneys. Um, and then I think, your peer group, right? there's a there's a quote someplace that says, um, "Behind every great woman is is a group chat," and and, <laughs> and so I think I think you know my group chat, you know my little executive council that I have, those are my folks that when I have a question about what to do next or or if I'm afraid of something or I'm not sure, I go to the group chat. Um, and so I think that the group chat is, is you know, find, who is your, your counsel that you're going to go to when you're making those yeah. big decisions or you're, you're unsure? Who's going to boost you? Like my friend Brenda pushed me into this job and, and I thank her every year on our the anniversary. I'm like, oh, thank you, Brenda. <laughs> and so, um, you know, find that group chat that you can, you can reach out to in all hours of the night and, and ask questions that you, you don't want to ask publicly sometimes and you're not sure. Um, and a group of, of women and or men that, that support you no matter what. And I think that that has been really helpful in my career as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure having you on our LinkedIn live stream of the Her Rise Salon Talks. Um, guys, you know how I like to end each broadcast by saying when we empower each other, we all rise. And that's exactly what you did for us today, Randy. So thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for having me.